The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. No mai kina pepa kate te pakihere roki roki ona puka puka. Welcome to Paper Cuts, the podcast all about books. Ko Louisa Kosa Tokuingua. Ko Karen Dastene. Ko Jenna Todd Tokuingua. And here we are. Another <laughs> podcast. I can't remember what happens next, actually. <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> um, so you can contact us. We're on Twitter and Insta, Paper Cuts Pod. Um, you can also email us on papercutspod at gmail.com, but we won't hold our breath because our last email came in in April. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. We, we enjoy a, a light workload. Maybe it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did anyone probably. check the junk? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. <laughs> um, so today on Papercuts, we have our usual delicious menu of book news, book reviews, not book reviews. And our TBR piles, that stands, stands for To Be Read. Um, so we actually have a really, really stacked section of book news, partly because we're now bi-monthly and partly because there's just been a shitload of stuff happening. So much happening. So let's get into it. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going in order of, the, of when these events happened. Okay, sounds so good. So we're going back a little bit. So on the 12th of August, we just want to mention that the New Zealand Children's and Young Adults Book Awards were held, and we want to congratulate all the winners, and especially Selena Tusitalamash, whose first children's book, Mophead, which is AUP, won the Margaret Mahi Book of the Year. Yay! That's a wonderful book. Mm. It's the perfect book to buy anyone ages zero to 150. Yeah. It's Until super the oldest lovely. person alive. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna, you watched the session, right? I did. It was really sweet. It was yeah. great. Um, I know that they pre-recorded the the winners, but the best part about it was that um, with Selena, she thought she was winning her category, and then they told her that she'd won the whole thing. So you did get to see that genuine surprise. surprise. It was just beautiful. Oh, she's just so cool. And that's that book's got a follow up. That's coming yes. out soon. It looks cool. I can't remember what it's called. Moppy 2? Mophead 2? It's got two in it. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> T-U Macron. That's coming before Christmas, eh? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the space. Um, next up we have um, the 2020 Women's Prize for Fiction was won by Mag- Maggie O'Farrell for her novel Hamnet, 
Tinder Yay. Press. I love Karen. Maggie O'Farrell. You've read this, right? You love I have, it? I have read it. I have read a lot of her books, not all of them. Um, I read Hamnet. I thought it was, I only would have read it because it was Maggie O'Farrell. I probably wouldn't have read it otherwise, but I'm really glad that I did. <laughs> Based on the subject matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I've never read Maggie, Maggie Farrell, Maggie O'Farrell, but yeah, the, the concept didn't appeal to me, which is a retelling of Hamlet. And also, it's a really funny name, Hamnet. <laughs> well, that was his original name. And Shit. it's really interesting because Shakespeare isn't mentioned once in the book, even though he is obviously the father and he's writing this play. Um, it's more oh. um, the wife's story. That's cool. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> all I knew was Shakespeare's son. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that much. <laughs> <laughs> but people have been really coming in and saying that they really like yeah. it. Um, They're in good yeah. hands with Maggie O'Farrell. If you haven't, if you wanted to start with any of her books, of course, Hamnet would be wonderful. But my favourite one of hers is her memoir, I Am, I Am, I Am, and it's her thirteen. I think it's thirteen or maybe twelve. Brushes with Death, Ooh. and it's just. So incisive and sharp, and you couldn't really make any of this stuff up. She's had that many near-death experiences, and she writes about them all. Fuck, incredible! Must be handy to have it, have had an interesting life when you're a writer. Mm. <laughs> I, I wonder what material they're mining right now. Yeah. All right, next up we have oh another big one, the International Booker Prize. That's my review book too. Shit. Holy moly. Oh, my goodness. It's like the stars are aligning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so um, that was one. But Karen, why don't you tell us about it? So everyone will know from previous episodes that we're big fans of the International Booker Prize. Um, we've loved previous winners and reviewed them on the podcast. And the winner this year was Marika Lucas Reinefeld, who won it for her debut novel, The Discomfort of Evening, and um, was translated by Michelle Hutchison, published by Faber. And of course, the prize money is awarded equally to the writer and to the translator, and it just um, awards and acknowledges excellence in translation. Um, and it's a Dutch novel, and it's set on a rural dairy farm in the Netherlands. But it's the book I'm reviewing today, so okay. stay oh. tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Wonderful book. I'm excited to hear about it. Not that we haven't talked about it offline already. <laughs> Sorry, breaking Keep the fourth fresh. wall. <laughs> um, also, so okay, so this is getting really fresh right now. Um, the Booker Pri- Prize 2020 shortlist has been announced. This was quite recently. Um, there's no Hilary Mantel, which is I think everyone expected her her you know third yeah. book in the Wolf Hall trilogy. She doesn't need mm. another one for the mental piece. No. The no. mental piece. <laughs> the mental piece. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, my God. You're the worst. I love it. Um, <laughs> so. Hey, I've actually seen, I just, I've been thinking about this Booker shortlist that's been announced, and I've seen a lot of people kind of critiquing it oh, and kind yes. of saying, oh, you know, it's never been the same since they opened it up to the Americans. There's been a lot of grumbling. But you know what? I think it is a fantastic shortlist and it is really diverse and fresh and interesting. And what can be better than having new authors to discover? Mm. And I'm, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but 
Are they just upset that there's so many brown people on the shortlist? I I don't, don't mind know. you saying <laughs> I don't it. Know. Um, I think that it's. I think people like grumbling about it. I think people like grumbling about the book. It they like anyway. to grumble anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it was just um, a I surprise. You know, some of the people like a Pentagon, Comic Con, and Hillary Mantel not being on there. But it's just a kind of maybe there's a sea change in what people are reading. Mm. Also, I just want to say I think it's really cool that Lee Child was a judge. Mm. And he's come help, come up with this. <laughs> I've been thinking about him a bit actually with the shortlist because sometimes it's the most like um, formulaic writers that are actually really read the most interesting stuff because they're just churning out their stuff, but on the like backstage reading interestingly. Yeah, maybe yeah. because they're using. The part of their brain that they're using for writing this thing is not actually going hugely deep because they're like they're like on the the hamster wheel, and and that's great because it, I think his books really have a place in the in the world and people really like them. Um, and a, he's a he's an author that a lot of people who don't read that much will read him every every year. Um, but it's kind of cool. Like, it's nice to be surprised. And from a bookseller's point of view, it's a bloody snore when a, a book that's selling anyway... 100%. Is, um, ...gets shortlisted or even wins. The testaments. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want something that no one's ever read before, they haven't heard about it, and they're going to pick it up just because it's shortlisted or wins the booker. Well, i got to say, I had these books are not super familiar to me, but I am really excited to read them. Um, so do check out the Booker Prize shortlist. Um, we will link it in our show notes. Um, I personally had already reserved Real Life by Brandon Taylor at the I've library. I've got that out from the library Oh, yes, so I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time, but I'm waiting. <laughs> it's on my TBR list. Oh, nice. Yeah, I... Um, What's the website that he runs? Is it Electric Literature? Yes, or? that's it. Yeah, yep, that's which the is one. a really great website. And so that was what made me intrigued to read his book. So that book has a great cover. I've read Burnt Sugar and I by Evne Doshi, and I reviewed it on ninety five BFM, so I can put it on the show notes. Yay! Um, I'll just say that I keep calling her Evne Doshni. I just got. I just put oh, the N uh, in my the N. written notes and. I'm oh no! Gutted, but uh, it's just Bernadette the way that the Bernadette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing audio, you just gotta do your best and yeah. hope that you've written it down correctly, and then that you say. I it know correctly. it was like Chinese whispers yeah. of um, handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, we're very excited about that shortlist. Do check it out. Um, and last night, the New Zealand Book Trade Industry Awards were awarded, I guess, um, online in an online event. I was watching it. Um, so congratulations to all of those winners. Um, it was it was a really cute event. Some of the speeches <laughs> were just thank you and some of them were a bit longer. Um, it was quite like cool and freeform and um, just a really nice way to celebrate the New Zealand book industry. Um, it, you know, it was sad that the event had to be there was going to be like a glittering, mm. you know, evening event. Well, we can all get together the one time yeah. of the year where we all, the book trade all gets together. Yeah. But I mean, Zoom's fine in a pinch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are sick of Zoom. It's fine. <laughs> 
Um, okay, and in festival news, um, lineups for Word Festival in Christchurch, Verb Festival in so Wellington. Exciting. Um, Yarns and Barns in the wider Upper and a bunch of others have all been announced recently. So get amongst, you know, just, just check out your what's going on in your region and support these events, support the authors that, you know, it's it's people's lifeblood, really. Mm, and, yeah. you know, it just means that people get to keep on living creative lives and maybe make some money from it. I mean, yeah. won't get crazy. but Or at least find, you know, community. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very excited about those lineups. Lots of local authors. It's actually a really great opportunity. All local, all local, local authors. authors. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like to put it that way. I, but I was trying awesome. to make it seem like a choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. I, the programs look very um, tempting. They I, really do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was looking at flights. So. <laughs> I let's talk about that. I'm considering. Also oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's for it's a little teaser for the audience. <laughs> okay, and now just we're getting right down to the bottom of book news. Don't worry, guys. We're going to get on to some reviews soon. Um, but just wanted to make a note that that you need to mark your diary to visit your local bookstore for New Zealand Bookshop Day, 17th of October. So I know also it's September election now. Day. Yeah. So oh, you'll be hell. you'll be out and about already. <laughs> you know, you can whiz by. Yep. No uh, excuses. But it's great having this much book news as opposed to all these prizes will be announced in the next yeah. few days. <laughs> we'll talk about them in a month. We'll talk about them in two months. Yeah. <laughs> this is quite a good thing of the bi-monthly thing, though, is that you can be like, well, it happens, it's the last pod, so it counts. It counts yes. as book yeah. news. For yeah. sure. It's a little bit more flexible, which we like. Um, okay, guys, let's roll on to our book reviews. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Who wants to go first? KD. Okay. <laughs> so, as I alluded to before, I'm going to talk about the International Booker Prize winner, which is The Discomfort of Evening by Marika Lucas Reinefeldt, um, published by Faber. I really loved this book. Um, it's stunning. It's pitch dark, abject, and fantastical. Uh, it's set on a dairy farm in rural Netherlands and looks at the effects of grief on a devoutly reformist family. So it's really bleak, but it's really stunningly beautiful and a really vivid evocation of food, the body and the natural world and the weather. Um, So the title, The Discomfort of Evening, it comes from the moment in the evening when the cows on the dairy farm become restless and they're kind of heaving with milk. Um, So it's just this kind of gloaming vibe. Reinefeldt is a poet, and I think this is really a poet's book the language is really fresh and stunning and it just feels really fresh and new and kind of very alive um it's told from the perspective of yes she's a young girl and she has three siblings and one day she idly wishes that her brother doesn't come back home from ice skating and he actually dies in an accident and he doesn't come home. So it's her kind of constantly bargaining and trying to make amends for this terrible event that affects the whole family, and it affects them all in different ways. The mother and father kind of throw themselves into looking after the farm and the cows, while Jazz and her surviving brother and sister, they go quite deep into some pretty dark explorations with each other and with other people. 
Um, so, but, you know, it's just kind of the experimentation that young, curious children sort of do. You know, they become quite interested and curious um, with their bodies and bodily functions. Um, it reminded me of another book I read and really liked. I'm not sure if I talked about it on the podcast, but I certainly reviewed it on 95BFM, and it was called Paradise Rot by Jenny Vahl. You did. On the pod? Yes. Oh, the pod, cool, cool. The pod. Yep, yep. Um, she's a Norwegian writer and musician. But this book just really beautifully captures farm life. There's toads and cows and crows and the weather. It's really harsh and elemental. And at times it's a very uncomfortable read. And it's sort of about claustrophobia, isolation and grief and religion. Um, Rainer Felt herself actually grew up on a dairy farm and lost their brother um, when they were young um, and their family was devoutly religious so it's kind of semi-autobiographical I guess Uh, and they currently work on a dairy farm (laughs) so um, mining mining life experience but I think one thing this book does extraordinarily well is that it really finally taps into the inner world of a child and childhood innocence and also misunderstanding. You know how children have a really naive logic? Yeah. Um, an example of that from the book is um, at school, a teacher says they've got a map on the wall and the teacher says, you know, put a pin on the wall um, on the map of a place that you would like to visit. It's good to, it's good to have these goals. And, and Yaz sort of thinks, if I could go anywhere, I'd really like to go to myself and so they put a pin in their belly button and it stays there and it scabs over and they wear this red coat that they never take off. Uh, it's pretty intense. Um, it's amazing. Um, this book is amazing at articulating feelings. Um, Jazz says, sadness ends up in your spine. And I just feel like when I say that, you can really feel it. Mm. It's so evocative. Oh, any mention of a spine. I know, you're <laughs> hypersensitive, eh? Yeah. It's like kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> but she is acutely in tune to the natural world, and she is such an observer. And her parents, they never touch each other. They barely talk to each other. They don't show affection. And she says, well, maybe if I can get my toads to mate (laughs) maybe (laughs) mum and dad will mate as well (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry have you guys seen League of Gentlemen yes I have (laughs) oh my gosh the The Toad toad family family. (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's why I was laughing I've got it under control now (laughs) yeah that's amazing Um, (laughs) it does have some quite disturbing content in this book but um like J- Yaz's mum reckons, she says she doesn't like made-up things because stories in your imagination often leave out the suffering and the important things to leave in. The ending is quietly intense. And I guess I could say it's pretty dark, but it's in keeping with the book as a whole. Um, and I think it's a great winner for this prize because it's so skillfully translated, I think, to retain the authenticity and nuance of this young narrator's inner world and very singular 
um, voice and experience of the world around her. Um, Valeria Lewis-Sally was a judge, mm. as was um, Jennifer Croft, who was a translator of Flights by Olga Tokachuk. Um, previous winner of the Booker International. Um, I don't want to really apologise for talking about dark, sad or bleak content in novels. And it was really cool um, actually listening to the judges talk about this book and why they awarded it. And yeah, it's cool. We don't actually need to do that. No. You know? Yeah. God, no. Well, just, you know, sometimes people want something happy and uplifting. Mm. And I just think it's quite cool, like... Yeah, these books are very valid. Um, they are what they are. They are what they are. They deal with real life, and that's something really powerful that fiction can do. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a book for every occasion, and sometimes you're just in the right space to take yeah. on one of these books. You don't have to force it and, like, trudge through, like, a miserable book. But It's quite a special book, this one. It's pretty singular. Yeah. I, I reckon that's definitely one for me to put on my TBR pile. I think pile. you should definitely read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it here with me, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll get it up from the library. Oh, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm way too late. Um, um, but I've got a couple of other books I wanted to mention briefly yeah. as well. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Yeah, so... Um, Summer Water by Sarah Moss, which is um, the new Sarah Moss. I think we've talked at length about her book, Ghost Wall. Um, But this is her new one, and it kind of touches upon similar themes, like themes of the natural world and the climate and crisis and kind of a really dark undercurrent of nationalism and Brexit and the other... um, I really loved this book, and it's got a pretty colour quote from um, old mate Hilary Mantel. (laughs) Sharp, searching, thoroughly imagined, utterly of the moment, it throws much contemporary writing into the shade. Ooh. That's a pretty staunch endorsement. So, yeah, I really loved this book. I read it, you know, of an afternoon. I think people will love this book. Um, and I'll be reviewing it for the New Zealand Herald, so you can stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah. And another book I just finished at 2am today <laughs> and reviewed on Radio New Zealand was Mayflies by Andrew O'Hagan, published by Faber. I really loved this book. It is one of the most successful renderings, I think, of male friendship on the page that I've read in a really long time. And kind of a really beautiful, tender look at masculinity and what it can mean. And it's about, it's a novel in two halves. It starts in 1986 and then goes 30 years beyond. And it's teenage friends. Um, There's heaps of music in it. In the first part, they're going to a music festival in Manchester. And then in the second part... One of them is, it's actually autobiographical, I should say. Andrew O'Hagan grew up in quite an unhappy family with an abusive alcoholic father and found a surrogate friend and family um, with his friend Tully, who was a couple of years older than him. Sorry, Keith. The character in the book is called Tully. It's based on him. And 30 years later, he found out, he got a phone call from his friend saying he had terminal, inoperable cancer and only had a few months to live. And it's just this really beautiful tribute to his friend. It's really sad and heartbreaking, deals with some end-of-life choice issues, which is very topical 
and is just a really gorgeous, exuberant, charismatic, joyous read. I think people will love it. I love a man with emotions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you, well, wait till you hear Andrew O'Hagan talk. Really? Yes. Not only is he a sensitive, brainy man, he has the most amazing Scottish accent. Oh. <laughs> it's like, Dreamy. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And the best taste in music. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she said, swooning. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is. And you're wearing a skivvy. I know. <laughs> It's the skivvy. It is the skivvy. Thank you, Jenna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Does he read the audio book? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have to, like, investigate. But I did listen to a podcast. I should say, Andrew Hagen is the editor-at-large of the London Review of Books, which is one of my favourite publications. And the London Review Bookshop have these amazing events, eh, where they have Mm. um, author talks. And I listened to a talk between Andrew O'Hagan and Anne Enright. So you have these two amazing voices, an Irish and a Scottish, just so gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. So are they still doing them in lockdown but without an audience? I think, I know that they did some, like, remote ones. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I've been reading. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> There's just so, I cannot stress enough yeah. how many amazing books there are out. It's actually keeping me awake at night, like, <laughs> literally, but no, I'm kind of. Yeah, well, why don't we talk well, about that a little bit? Like, it, it's because of COVID, right? Like, yeah, everything's been, well, there's a whole lot of stuff that's been delayed. And so it's all coming out at the same time as the September releases. That's right. And they're all just being pushed out together. <laughs> yeah. But so it's it, awesome. It is awesome. It's an embarrassment of riches, right? <laughs> yeah. We say every year, right, there are so many good books for Christmas. But this year it's like triple. Everything's coming out at once. Yeah. And it's all top stuff that, the you know, that people have been waiting to release or mm. that they're planning to release for Christmas. So it's just like so much good stuff to read. Oh, overwhelming. Yeah. Just to, like, <laughs> it really is. I'm just picturing like you guys look releases and it's, yeah. but it's it's so it makes our job super easy it as does. booksellers. Yeah. Um but it's like, oh my god, are things that are really good going to get left behind because other ones seem more shiny. And then I mean, there'll be nothing yes. in March. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I know. They can catch up on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. We can just keep on catching up for the next year. Hey, be and no one's going to be doing doing anything but reading anyway, right? Yeah. yeah. What else Great stuff to people involved in the book industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much for your review, Karen. Thanks for listening. Shall I go next? Yeah. Yes, go. Okay. I'm liking this pile. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's quite a, an interesting pile this time. Um, so I'm going to do a bit of a double review. And the reason that I'm doing that, it's all very tricky and conceptual. Oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm so slow. So the two books I'm reviewing today are um, Sisters by Daisy Johnson, which is Jonathan Cape, came out July this year, but possibly only landed in bookstores quite recently. Um, and also Nothing to See by Pip Adam, which is VUP, came out sometime this year, can't remember when. Um, it's all a blur. <laughs> it's all truly a blur. Um, and these books both deal with kind of uncanny doublings, doppelgangers, 
twins, sisters, possibly multiple personalities. Um, and that is something that I love. Mm. And it's really related to gothic literature, which I have always you know, long been obsessed with. Um, Shirley Jackson is definitely one of my favourite authors, and she, um, you know, most famously probably... I mean, aside from the lottery, which is fine. But um, (laughs) We Have Always Lived in the Castle is a really incredible book by Shirley Jackson that deals with a really kind of uncanny, sisterly relationship in this kind of claustrophobic setting. Oh, I wasn't going to review that, but there you go. A little mini review. Um, The doublings keep on happening. Um, So let me first talk about Daisy Johnson. Um, So I haven't read Daisy Johnson before, but I really want to now. Um, So she has published Fen and also Everything Under, which was shortlisted for the I've read that. Yeah, you've read that. You've reviewed it. Have I? I think so. Yes, I have. (laughs) I have. I have on VFS. It's a retelling of a... Is it of Oedipus? Yes. Electra? No, it's Oedipus. Oedipus, yeah. Um, Love that. Um, So... Yeah, so I'm definitely I'm definitely going to go back and read that now. I can't believe I didn't read it at the time. It's got Greek mythology and you know Greek mythology. Canals, I love that. <laughs> and canals, another interest of mine. Thank you love for rescuing me there. Um, so um, let me just get my notes out. Sorry, I'm just dealing with like multiple, multiple, multiple different texts. devices and texts. Um, so this um, this is about two actual sisters. They're named July and September. And um, they were named that by their slightly eccentric mother, Sheila. And these two sisters, they're in their teens, and they have done something unspecified, but pretty unspeakable. So we don't know what they've done, but they've done something really fucking bad. And their mother has whisked them out of school, and she's taken them on a road trip to this crumbling little cottage that actually has um, a lot of relevance for their family. It's where um, it's where the first sister, September, was born, apparently, and it's where Sheila lived when she was going through this tumultuous relationship with their father. And so the house has a really kind of uncanny, unhomely, unheimlich, as they say in mm. Gothic theory, um, kind of presence. It's sort of, it almost seems alive. Um, it, the walls seem to sort of move. It's it's very creepy and atmospheric. And the two sisters also have a slightly uh, unnerving relationship where September is really domineering and July is very sort of subservient. Um, but their relationship starts to change and they had both been really comfortable with this relationship as it was, but when it starts to change, things start to go even more awry. So it's just, it's bloody fantastic. I was just so, just ripping through it. You just... had me at crumbling cotton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot of great scenery stuff that I think mm. you would particularly enjoy. A lot of kind of invocation of the natural world. It's mm. near the sea. Um, there's like a there's like a coming of age on the beach part that's like very kind of off and awkward. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just I cannot recommend that book enough. It was just such a treat. Um, it's quite short. I reckon you, I, I read it of a morning wow. in bed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was quite late by the time I got out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my business. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend checking that out if you're interested in that kind of gothic 
family vibe. Um, yeah, really fantastic. So next I want to talk about Pip Adams, Nothing to See. We love Pip Adam on this podcast. She's so brilliant, um, so sharp and intellectual, but also I think so empathetic and so good at relaying kind of things that happen in this sort of, I don't want to say seedy underbelly, but seedy underbelly of, of life. People who are people who are not usually celebrated. or People on the margins. People on the margins, people who aren't like hashtag aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, she does such a good job of talking about those people's lives that make in a way that just feels so natural and you feel like you're right there and it feels really warm um, at the same time as her writing being very full of, you know, theory and, or you know, she always talks about something interesting in addition to what's going on with the characters. So in I'm Working on a Building, there was lots of stuff about architecture and engineering. That. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and in this book, there's a lot of stuff about the surveillance kind of state, the modern surveillance state that we're li- living in and data breaches, all super relevant for these times and kind of how they're how those industries are so fragmented that there's no, um, oh my God, what's the word? No one's responsible. Everyone's involved, but no one's responsible and there's plausible deniability everywhere. Um, Very creepy, very unnerving. So it's kind of like cyber gothic. Mm. Did I just make that up? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so this is about um, not sisters, but two halves of the same person. Um, Greta and Peggy. Um, so as I started reading it, I was like, oh, they are multiple personalities of, of this one woman who is recovering from alcoholism and has had a psychotic break. That's how it kind of reads at first. But to me, it got murkier as you went along. The two, so Greta and Peggy are part of this woman called Margaret. She wakes up one day and she's two. And they have this really intense relationship they go everywhere together um and they have sex with each other and they look after each other they share tom yum soup that's a recurring <laughs> motif throughout the book which made me extremely Did hungry you guys for tom it? yum soup yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <reading> it. <laughs> and um but yeah so yeah, i read them first as multiple personalities and i thought well they seem to have each a physicality in the world, it seems as though people are addressing them as two different people. So I think Pip Adam does a really good job of riding that knife edge of ambiguity between something that's real or something that's, you know, mental or something that's fantastical. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that ambiguity. Um, so, yeah, so. And in this book, there are other women who are doubled as well. And so. It's just, it sounds complicated, but mm. as you're reading it, mm. it just feels like kind of a, there are fun mysteries. There's a mysterious phone that turns up that's like an obsolete Tamagotchi phone <laughs> that was only produced in Japan, and it's sending ghost messages to one of the protagonists. So it's it's actually, it's, yeah, like I say, it sounds complicated and spiky and intellectual, which it is, but it's also a really fun read, and you just, it, it's really accessible. And just a really good time, I think. I really like how the book is, uh, you know, this these women or women, woman is, is really trying hard to just be normal, and it's about the monotony of the domestic and all that, making the, the frittata, food and making the frittata, and 
buying a getting a grate, you know, yeah. <laughs> or going to the supermarket. Like they all troop to the supermarket, and they I think they get a pan, and yeah. it's just really kind of slow and plodding along. Like yeah, it a makes person you f- building their life up after it's all crumbled away. Totally, and it's like maybe an alcoholic being an alcoholic would be more fun than what they're living. <laughs> they kind of allude to that. Yeah. I mean, I've read the book, but full disclosure, I can't actually talk about it because I'm a judge at the Acorn Foundation Fiction Prize Ockham Book Award, so I actually can't talk about Oh, it. shit. But Jenna can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've all read it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really... She kind of makes the... It's kind of wacky, but it's just so normal. And it's like putting a wacky thing in such the most kind of normal context of just everyday life that everyone kind of knows that it that makes that wacky thing seem like it's normal. Tangible. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such an extraordinary book. And the office life and the office barbecues. And yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. All right, well, that is my review. <laughs> uh, I loved that linking, and I really want to read um, Sisters one day. Mm. There you go. Oh, no, I can't. No, I've, got, I've got a year's worth of New Zealand <laughs> fiction to read. Are you sure? <laughs> I'll read it later. Looks okay. great. Oh, such good. good reviews. Um, thank you, Karen, for lending me Nothing to See. Oh, pleasure. Um, so, yeah, Jenna, you're up. Um, I just feel like I'm reviewing something so boring. <laughs> Oh, what? Well, I'm hooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had me at boring. Yeah. <laughs> so I apologise in advance. I love that shit story. Yeah. Um, I read a self help book recently. <laughs> it's okay, we've all been there. This is going to be great. Yeah. But I just thought I'd want to talk about it because it makes me feel like I'm reading something for a reason. Mm. And. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's something that comes up when we're on the podcast a lot. But I read this book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Have you? I've definitely heard, heard of this. Yep. Is it about breath? No. No, okay, that's another no. one <laughs> that other people are raving about that we don't know how to breathe properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been... Breathing's I don't all the know rage. How to, I'm a mouth breather, so me too. <laughs> yeah. It actually well, is we, quite relevant to yes. us. We all are now because we're wearing masks, so... It's weird. I didn't know you were supposed to breathe through your nose until I was <laughs> in my late teens. We were mouth breathers before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying because my mum didn't know either. <laughs> I'm real conscious that even just listening, I hope I'm not heavy breathing oh. and being weird. Yeah. <laughs> just a little sample. Yeah. And apparently it like affects your um, posture and your lifespan and all this crazy oh, shit. Lifespan? So, yes. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Anyway, so deep work is not about breathing. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> so, like, being a bookseller, we get recommended books every day. Like, every day someone's like, oh, you got to read oh, this. you should you read, read this. this. It's amazing. Like, yeah, cool, whatever. And, um, <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to be telling you what to read. <laughs> um, no, no, I do. Love it. Actually, with deep work, this really productive and organised customer recommended it to me, like someone who I know who's got their shit together. Right. was like, this book's amazing. And um, it's consistently sold really well. And it's sort of in that business section, it looks more approachable. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll get it out from the library. And um, I guess the reason why I wanted to read a book like this is because I do like, 
I have a lot of time sensitive tasks that I can get done. I work really well mm. under pressure. Mm. I just smash something out. Um, but then I have all these aspirational things that I want to get like done. Projects. Just little projects. No one's waiting for it. How can I make time for that yep. in my life? I so, need to read this book. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd go for work. Um, and so. To avoid reading the book, I tried to just listen to podcasts by the author, or like when he was guest talking about it, but it, I just couldn't concentrate on it, But so I got it out. Um, so he's this computer science professor at Georgetown University, and he's the author of six books, including Study Hacks and Digital Minimalism. Like, he's oh, all yes. into... Um, He's really into uni- kind of university stuff, getting a job, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And... He looks like the nice guy on who gets friend zoned on The Bachelorette. Like he's just like so American. He's such an American looking guy. And he's like the Bachelorette guy and then he gets like some fans and then he goes on Bachelor in Paradise and makes a complete fool of himself and he's like not like the nice guy anymore. That's how I Ooh, picture this that's dude. That's so complex. <laughs> I was watching him a lot today and thinking about it. But deep, he's come up with this concept of deep work, which is activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limits. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I already got distracted while you were reading yeah, out the title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And he talks a lot about shallow, too. shallow work where you're distracted by emails, open plan offices, and you're working in the state of low concentration all the time. So this book is like quite creepy because it talks about like the optimization of a human, like the output of a human. Which I've found kind of weird. Mm, that but gives me this like is Matrix vibes. Yeah, yeah, this quite. Com- I do think so. I do. <laughs> um, it has a really big focus on knowledge workers. So it's like tech industry academics. How many papers can you write in a year while turning off your computer at six pm for the for the night? So, um, though, I, so I found it really stuck to people who might just have one goal, like one paper to write or one thing to research where I don't feel like I relate to that at all. Um, But it divides and explores different types of deep workers, like the type of people that would go in a cave for four weeks (laughs) and just do their, write their book. Or the person that wakes up in the morning at 4am and writes till 7am and then goes to their real job. Um, and so most examples in this book are the role models were male tech workers or academics, which I was just like, boring. This kind of sounds like something out of Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and you can just picture the type of people that read this book, though I'm one of them now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> my biggest takeaway, so maybe you don't have to read the book, is he defines low-impact activities and high-impact activities. So whatever you're doing, is it low-impact for your life like is it how much is that going to reward your life you scrolling on instagram for half an hour is that a high impact activity or a low impact activity i think we can wait and so yeah he pretty much just says write lists schedule free time have shut down rituals because he thinks you can do all of this while having breaks at night time but what about the shit you have to do but don't want to 
Well, that's the hard you know, thing like because that's the stuff that takes up all our time. Because he's a researcher, right? So he's, he's just got like, all that time. He's got all this time. What new thing am I going to discover about computer science? Most of science? us are working class, bro. Yeah, we just like got to do the job, and we genuinely have to have interruptions all the time, which yeah. are interruptions we yeah make. Those our interruptions living. are part of our work. Yes. Yeah. So I think it was like it's all self help books. I think you take out of it what you want, but and what you need it was fine so what was your takeaway like how is there something that you have taken from reading this book that's made you sort of think about how you can apply it to your life practically well I think that low impact and high impact thing it's like what am I doing with you what am I doing right now Mm. is this going to further me and it doesn't need to be like financially or Mm. like you know or in a career wise it's like what value does this add to my existence? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I think that's that's a strong message. Do you want me to read you the worst last sentence of a book Fuck I've yes. ever read? Yes, please. Okay, so he quotes Winifred Gallagher and he says, I'll, I don't know, I'll <laughs> live the focus life because it's the best kind there is. And then um, Cal Newport says, I agree, so does Bill Gates. And I hope now that you've finished this book, you agree too. That was ah! the last sentence. Oh, my God. That's so, like, it's written like, on the dunny. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh it's at the end of, like, some kid's first essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And hopefully by the time you finish reading this essay, you, you will, will too. too. The end. But I'm interested in some things that he has to say. And mm. I think when you look at the quality, you know, and we spend a lot of more time at home now. So it's like, how much do you spend? Um, and, and a lot of it comes down to the internet. And I think yeah. it comes down to that digital minimalism, which is his next like TED talk thing that he goes through. I don't feel completely converted, but I feel interested. Well, and I, I feel like interested is... to read more self-help books, actually. Yeah, it's a gateway. Oh, yeah, Because, yeah. you know, I remember, what was it, a year ago or something where you got me into, you talked about it on the podcast, um, downtime. Mm. And that was such a positive thing. And I feel like, you know, that's that low impact, high impact, reducing that kind of death scroll. Mm-hmm. But then that's us always thinking about we need to be productive all the time. Yes, yeah. And multitasking. Totally. So there's that other part of you that, like the optimization of a human. I always need to be doing something mm. that's worth something. Can I just sit here like a sack of potatoes and <laughs> just be a, be a blob for a while? Even if that, that's okay too. Even if we're not doing something we're sort of like, okay, we could listen to a podcast and yeah. gain some information while we're doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Yeah, it's just got me thinking. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've actually reserved big, ma- <laughs> big magic at the library. <laughs> Is that Elizabeth that's Gilbert? Elizabeth yes, Gilbert. yeah, that's my next one. Who are you? I won't, I'm not going to review it. This <laughs> oh, is the worst one. Now that we're sharing. Yeah. Oh, here we have go. Have you read it? So I have been, I've also, when you said that you've been, lis- you were listening to podcasts to avoid reading the book, I really relate to that. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Gotcha. So I've been toying with the idea of reading um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, well, yeah. She's having a big moment, and it's about Huge. stopping people pleasing. Um, that which, book is haunting me today. I couldn't which, find like, it. like, did you find it? No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so I, yeah, um, people pleasing is definitely something that I struggle with. People might be surprised by that because they find me unpleasing. But, um, but I am trying. very pleasing. Thank yeah. you. And I work hard <laughs> to please you. <laughs> um, 
But um, so I haven't. I, so I've been listening to podcasts that she appears on, and I'm toying with the idea of reading that. But I also tried listening to the audio book of. Oh, shit. What's it called? Who's that other famous white lady? Brene Brown? Yes, Brene yeah. Brown. I tried Why listening. Why would know that? Because you were working She's a big books. deal. <laughs> and she's a huge author. So I tried listening to the audiobook of that and I could not take it. I oh, really? Did I, she read it? She read it. Mm. Um, oh, I, just, I just didn't like it. She started talking about, like negative thoughts as Death Eaters from Harry Potter or something. I was like, oh, bro, oh. you lost me. You lost me. You lost me at Harry Potter. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Let's I mean, yeah, let's not even go down yeah. that <laughs> argument road. Um, um, did you listen to Elizabeth Day and Glennon Doyle? I did. Yeah, That was one too. of the things I listened to. That was the one I skipped. Oh, she's... Glennon Doyle's really intense. And I... Elizabeth yeah. Day was really fangirling over her and but it was she does almost a bit uncomfortable. She does that with all of her. Um, I mean, I love her podcast, but she does gush yeah. over all of her guests. Mm. That's her brand. Oh, okay. Okay. That's all right then. But maybe I'll listen to it. Yeah, yeah maybe I'll listen to it and then report back. Let us know what you think. Um, I, that, the end. That was yeah. anything but boring. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. That's Thank awesome. you. And I actually can't wait to hear um, more about your self-help uh, journey. journey. <laughs> I don't want to say it. This is Jenny. What's the today word? Like ho to do or something? I like that better than yeah, journey. Definitely. Um, yeah, mm. I mean, you know, it's just trying to think of the side it's like the the personal side gigs and trying to make them work and make it's making yeah. time for things that matter which includes yeah. reading as yeah, well definitely yeah. it's all like time consuming stuff that we have to fit in around all our other things and side hustles yeah yeah, yeah. i thought that was a really valuable review oh thanks karen Thanks. Yeah. I don't have to read that book now. And <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful. <laughs> I've given you that gift. <laughs> um, shit, I better look at the schedule. What's next? Not books. Da, 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 da. Oh, Karen, I'm very excited <laughs> for yours. You better go first. <laughs> well, I sort of thought, man, I don't really have a not books because all my life is at the moment is books. But the one thing I have been indulging in, I just have to say too, I've cancelled Netflix and I've cancelled Mubi and it feels so good to have that trash out of my life. I've never so heard happy. of Mubi. Oh, Mubi is actually fantastic. It is, <laughs> well, no. I'm confused. <laughs> it's, a, it's a film subscription ah, okay. service. I think it's something like $10 a month. And Hey, it all adds up. It all adds up. That's what our mate um, Carl Newport would probably, probably. say. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> $10 a month and they curate 30 independent art house films that you can watch. So it's like a film subscription service. But it's dead to you now. It's Well, yeah, <laughs> I just found, you know, I've been subscribing to it for about four years and I never use it because it's just all these films from 2012 Argentina and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want to watch that. I want to watch. Yeah. I know what I want to watch. I don't need some indie why? Telling me what I what they think I should watch. Why is watch? it so hard to just watch the movies that you want to watch online anyway? So. Yeah. So anyway, I've cancelled that. It feels great. So now I'm watching Gloss on YouTube. Tell us about <laughs> Gloss for the babies in the audience. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know about Gloss, it was a fantastic 
fantastic New Zealand drama about the lives of the rich and famous and fashionable people involved with a fashion magazine owned by the prestigious Redfern family of Remuera, Auckland. <laughs> so it's a New Zealand um, drama and very aspirational. You know, I think I think it's from 1986, and it's sort of I guess based on you know shows like Dynasty, but um, you know it's Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> So it's a little bit dungy. <laughs> the best um, kind. <laughs> oh, it is so good. I I mean, I loved it at the time when I was like a little bubba das. And I love it now. Um, incredible costumes, amazing shoulder pads, huge preposterous hair and accessories. Um, was Belinda Todd in there? No, but um, Marinda Harcourt oh, it was. Other redhead. Yep. But, <laughs> Um, loads of bitchy bon mots, completely ridiculous, improbable subplots, and really outlandish. It's just trashy, good fun. Absolutely loving it, and it's great seeing Auckland through that lens. The dialogue is incredible, and it's just, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic viewing. I, I feel like it's an important part of our social and cultural history. Um, and for ages, you weren't able to watch it because it wasn't available but someone's uploaded them onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's some on New Zealand on screen. Um, it is so good. <laughs> and, uh, I just have to read out a line. I wrote it down and my partner Nick who can't stand it but he watches <laughs> it with me, he was like, I saw you write that line down. <laughs> and it's this one moment where Alistair he says ditch the small town morality this is Auckland. <laughs> love it. Um, and Nick also said, oh, that guy just sounds like every guy that does the reading on RNZ. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. It is quality. And every New Zealand actor's in it. Cool. And it's um, based around this fashion magazine called Gloss. And then a um, rival magazine starts up and it's all about getting the magazine out and the fashion spreads. And they all dine out and drink champagne. It's, I guess, pre-crash. So it's very glamorous. And I guess the the stuff that they're wearing would all be New Zealand design because the yes. import market wasn't what it was. Yep. All New Zealand design. Um, Liz Mitchell, the fashion designer, the sister of David Mitchell from the band 3Ds, which always bugs me out. Um, and written by Rosemary McLeod. Mm. Oh, shit. So. Well, then. Yes. When I said Belinda Todd, I've just realised that's Melody Rules. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I, yeah. I can't believe, I think I've seen like a couple of, I think I've seen a couple of clips from Gloss, but I don't think I've actually fully watched it. And honestly, I just, I can't wait to go home and get into it. Oh, really? It. It's high drama, really glossy. They're all like quite rich. I love Remuera, like, but it's I New love Zealand. That, though. I love that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah, great. That, it's that, really that good. combination of like hokey versus like that seedy Auckland, yeah. like and just 80s, the art direction, dirty and decade. Also, um, my friend sent me a message when I said that I'd been watching it, and she said, "Oh, you know, when I watched Gloss, I went out and bought a um, art." deco drinks trolley to put my stereo on because that's what one of the characters had and that's actually what I have at home uh, <laughs> as well Shit. I didn't even know life. Well, yeah. 
here we are, Auckland. It's like, oh, it makes me want to work at a glossy magazine. I also have an Art Deco drinks trolley. Hmm. I need to get the stereo off there and put some actual drinks on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't use it for drinks either. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my not books. Thank you, Karen. Um, great to know that that's on YouTube. That yeah. is very yeah. exciting news. Don't take it down, whoever uploaded it. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go next because I'm next on the list. And I'm just going to talk about The Great on Neon. Um, so I recently subscribed to Neon, and it is a lot better than Netflix, i got to say. Mm. I'm well, just gonna can't put it can't be hard. <laughs> well, it's got Succession, which I was thinking about <sighs> reviewing, but I'm like, I'm so fucking late to the party. No one, no one cares about my hot take on Succession. Love Succession. Always looking for something that can be the same, and maybe this is it. It's not. <laughs> this is a totally different kettle of fish. Actually, a really great palate cleanser after watching, watching something intense like Succession or The Wire. So The Great is a um, very loose retelling of the rise of Catherine the Great, mm. Empress of Russia. Um, and it's it, it was created by the same person. I did write it down. Why did I keep on closing up my notebook? Created by Tony McNamara who wrote The Favourite, mm. um, which stars Olivia Colman. And I haven't seen that, but it's on my list to watch because it's also available on Neon. Neon do not sponsor this podcast, but if you're keen, let us know <laughs> if you're listening. Get on the <laughs> um, So it's a comedic drama. Um, it stars Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt, a.k.a. Marcus from About a Boy. Um, oh, yeah. And also... The- I saw him down the street once. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really... He's a beautiful man now. Um, I mean, he was great in Skins as well, but I can't remember the name of that character. So, you know, it's got these beautiful young people playing the Emperor and Empress of Russia. And it's very, very frothy, silly, but also violent, gory. Um, It's got that real sort of let them eat cake, Marie Antoinette sort of, you know, everyone's wearing beautiful gowns that you know, make their boobs look like weird teacups, you know, on their face. You know what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> the coupe kind of. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful clothes. It's it's visually stunning, really lush, um, you know, set in the court of the emperor. Everything's really over the top. Everyone snatches their glass after every drink that they oh. take. Um, it's really full on and it's all about her, you know, coming to court. She's ready to be in love with her husband and then she gets there and it's all just completely fucked and she's like, I'm going to take over and that's obviously a really dangerous undertaking. Um, I don't, I'm sure people listening and probably you guys as well know that Catherine the Great is mainly famous for having sex with a horse. Um, this does address that, um, is that controversy. A myth it- I'm pretty sure it's a myth. Yeah. It's, it's treated as a myth in this. I mean... It, it, and it's dealt with quite interestingly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah, as a bit of as a bit of fun, and but also as something that's really engrossing and entertaining and kind of high octane, um, with some beautiful dresses. Yeah, thoroughly recommend mm. the great on neon TV show. TV show. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so there's been one season. It's been renewed for another season, but like so many of the TV shows that we're desperate to watch the next season of, it's kind of in limbo at mm. the moment due to the disease that we won't talk about anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been up mm. to. Um, yeah, great. Check it out. Cool. I when it, your little thing said the great, I was just like, I have no idea what this is. I couldn't even picture. Yeah. Oh, no, it's... The, the title gives nothing away. It's a lot of fun. Until you're in the know. It's a romp. 
Jenna. Thank um, you, Lou. Thanks. Thank you. I'm just reviewing a show which just started on Tuesday. It's called Origins. It's on TVNZ. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, it's presented by Kingi Otereo Māori himself, Scotty Morrison, Yay. my fave. Um, so it's only three episodes I just found out what? today. Um, but it follows Scotty as he explores his own origins, which lands him, us, in Aotearoa today. And... Um, they describe it as oral history meets contemporary science. And I usually, like, when, I, <laughs> when I've thought of, like, people on boats, migrations, or, like, colonize, you know, like, just the ye olde time, I'm just, like, boring. But actually, I've been getting quite into it this year. And um, it's so cool seeing this story told in completely prime prime time, huge budget, um, sweeping drone shots of Aotearoa and East Polynesia and super lush and it puts um, Pacific migrations into a contemporary context, which I think as we constantly have to keep addressing the treaty and stuff, uh, you do have to keep sort of like laying it on thick to those People that the type of people that write letters into the um, the editor of the paper, <laughs> they're being like, "Why are we still talking about this?" But it like lays those foundations for that, um, if that makes sense. But I guess yeah. it draws the threads of generations together and portrays tikanga practices and the reo that makes this world seem so much smaller and generate you know twenty one generations down. Mm. It just like squeezes it all together like an accordion that that. You're not much different. It's so cool. Um, and it also demystifies life in Aotearoa pre-colonisation with science. So, yeah, it was just cool. And I I just really recommend watching it. So have you watched them all now? No, they're only doing one at a oh, time. Oh, cool. So and got to wait. Much. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it's like the old days. The old days, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's like, when you look at the TVNZ website, it's like the banner yeah, at the yeah. top. I've seen the promos. Yeah. It looks so sweeping and lush. and Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Um, this first episode, they spend quite a lot of time in um, the South Island and this place called the Wairo Bar, which is near um, kind of Blenheim area of oh, yeah. like this landing spot of migration. And then also down in the Catlins as well, where my family are from. So yeah. I was like, oh. It's like my people cool. there, and and um, then like going to the Christchurch Museum and looking at tools and yeah, it's just super interesting. It's I mean disclaimer like I've been studying this all this year, mm. so we're like oh my god, this is I was messaging my classmates we're like this is a TV show that's like exactly what we're looking at, so we're throffing. But and so have they all been watching it too? Oh totally, yeah, totally. totally. It's so awesome, but. Yeah, so, I've really enjoyed it. So that's on TVNZ? TVNZ is it on, on demand? demand. But also yeah. on L television, normal. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll look forward to watching that. Yeah, I, th- really I think cool. it's worth looking at. You'll feel good after watching out. it. It's a great recommendation, especially because it is Te Wiki o Te, Ma- te Reo Māori, <laughs> yeah. which, by the way, is why I gave our welcome in Te Reo at the beginning yes. of the pod. I forgot to mention that because I was so flustered and nervous. <laughs> Thank you to Jenna for providing that translation. Uh, who knows if that's exactly correct, well, but I'm sure it'll be I'm yeah. happy to yeah. receive constructive yeah. feedback yeah. on that and on the pronunciation. <laughs> um, thank you. That I'm, awesome. I'm, fu- I'm definitely going to check that yeah, out. Yeah, me too. 100%. All right. 
Sounds well, like a cool balance. TBR. Of well, don't don't yes, leave yet, yeah. guys. <laughs> Time for the TBR pile. Glossin oh, no. oranges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up? I think it's you, Karen, okay. if you don't mind. So we talked about the Booker Prize shortlist and the two books on my TBR are um, on the shortlist. Um the first one is Shaggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. I've been so excited about this book and it's been really hard. It was hard to get a hold of um, during COVID, but I managed to nab a copy from the library, which I'm so happy about. And I've started reading it, but I had to put it aside for some other work reading. But it's a debut novel from this wonderful gay Scottish writer, Douglas Stewart. And it's set in social housing in Scotland's Glasgow in the 1980s and beyond. Uh, and it's a really hard, unforgiving place where co-workers are out of work. There's a drug epidemic on the horizon. Life has lived on tick and soaked in alcohol. And it's about a struggling community and broken families and explores really beautifully a complex, tender and brutal dynamic between a mother and son. And so far, the writing just gleams. I just want to kind of put everything aside and read this book. Um, So I think that's – I'm really happy it's on the shortlist. I was really rooting for that book. And it's just been getting rave reviews everywhere. Um, I listened to a bit of it on audiobook, and I think it was Douglas Stewart reading it in this gorgeous Scottish accent. (laughs) We know you're partial. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and um, it was like listening to an Arab strap song because they're like this great Scottish duo and they're like really gritty social realism. Um, yeah, wonderful book. And the other one I've got um, from the library also is Real Life by Brandon Taylor, published by the great Daunt Books. And it's another debut by a, um, a queer black writer, And it's a campus novel, but refreshingly from a queer black perspective. And so far, I think the writing, honestly, is so beautiful and eloquent. Um, And it reminds me of very classic modernist American writers that everybody knows and loves. Um, But this is like a kind of fresh take. And I read a fantastic Guardian interview with Brandon Taylor, which we should link to, and you guys should read it. It's so great. one reviewer called Taylor's Novel, which takes place entirely on an unnamed Midwestern university campus, a heartbreaking tale of Southern childhood trauma. His book is not set in Southern America, but some reviewer had just thought, <laughs> this is a black writer, Southern Ooh. trauma. And Taylor says, I'll read this quote out. Oh, yeah. Um, There's this way black art is talked about, he says, that is invisible to white people. These loaded comments show up when Taylor is compared to James Baldwin more frequently than contemporary writers such as Sally Rooney and Rachel Cusk, who also mine the lives of messy, over-educated 20-somethings. And he says, I'm like, what Baldwin novel is this book in conversation with? Taylor shouts, exasperated. <laughs> now, it's really cool that someone's addressing that, but honestly, like it feels very classic, modernist, American writing. Kind of, I was thinking, you know, John Williams, who wrote Stoner, or Richard Yates, or, you know. Mm, uh, yeah, American realism. Yeah. 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 The, the, very, the very peak of American yes. realism. So I f- feel really excited about reading this book. Cool. 
I love Daunt books as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's just he. I've read some of his stuff online, and it's just fantastic. I'm so excited to yeah. read his novel. Yeah. Yep, I better get it uh, yeah. back to the it's library. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not in a hurry. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, on my TBR is um, just every New Zealand fiction novel written written <laughs> this year mm-hmm. <laughs> for the Ockham Book Awards. So that will be really amazing. Actually, my first lot of books arrived yesterday. And rather than feeling overwhelmed, I got really excited as I pulled all the books out. It was like, wow, so many good books published this year. So... That will be exciting. And Jenna will know from experience, too, from her time as a judge in 2018. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> her eyes went really big. She looks a bit stressed now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a bit stressed now. But no, yeah. it's going to be good. So that's my TBR. Thank you, Karen. Can't wait for the um, book of winner to be announced. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Whenever that is. <laughs> yeah, November. we, should, we anyway. should try and... I talk a, about that at an cool, appropriate time. It's a cool shortlist. <laughs> it yeah. is really cool. I agree. Okay, my TBR part? Oh, yeah. Mm. Right. Um, so I wanted, I almost reviewed this, but I haven't finished it. Mm. So, um, and what this is, is the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison. Um, so this is a little bit outside of my kind of normal wheelhouse of what, of what books I talk about on the podcast. It is a fantasy trilogy. Um, N.K. Jemison is an extraordinary writer. I think she's a three-time Nebula Award winner. So she's a fantasy Top writer, uh, a woman of color, um, and it is just such an. And she's extremely prolific, and it's all really top stuff. Really great fantasy that just takes you out of where you are and just completely transports you to just well. In this case a world where everything is ruled by geology. So, um, yeah, so the Broken Earth trilogy um, almost finished the last book, but I was like, I can't review it if I don't know how it all ends. Um, But, yeah, it starts with um, this region called the Stillness, which is just ironically named because it's wrecked by earthquakes all the time. And the, the inhabitants have to deal with quite often just complete kind of world's end stuff that happens because of all this geological activity because their world is so unsettled. Um, and, yeah, everything is to do with geology. There are people who have, you know, as, as is often the case in fantasy writing, there are people who have special gifts. These people are called orogenies, and they can manipulate, you know, the the earth and rock and, you know, matter like that and you know there's lots of stuff about you know everything is jewels you know there are these giant obelisks in the sky made of amethyst and opal and and they're very beautiful but very sinister and it's just really it was fantastic to read something that really just took me out of Mm. my world and transported me into this really tough really rough but beautiful and strange world and so yeah these erogenies these people who can manipulate the earth and rock they also um, they have these incredible gifts, but it's quite unstable, and they can easily kind of destroy things. And for that reason, they are really um, marginalised and oppressed. And um, I think N.K. Jemison herself, you know, every dedication kind of speaks about, you know, this is dedicated to those who are oppressed, basically. And I think it's it's reasonably relevant to 
the status of black people in America. Um, yeah, so for instance, in this, in the last book, um, the dedication is to those who have survived, you know, you're good, and even if you're not, you're alive, that is a victory. Aww, that's um, so beautiful. It's, it's a fantastic, I really recommend this trilogy. Um, I don't read a lot of fantasy, but I do, I, it's, not, it's not something that I avoid, but, um, you know, I love Ur- Ursula Le Guin. Mm. Um, this is really right up there, and it was recommended to me by friend of the pod, Gregory Khan, amazing oh, poet, yes. and um, yeah, totally recommend. A really nice kind of palate cleanser um, from what I usually read. Right. Another friend of the pod, Emma Espiner, was raving to me about Jemison yesterday. Wow. And like you just did then, um, kind of put them alongside Ursula Le Guin. Definitely, definitely up there in the canon of fantasy writers. When were these published? Um, that's a really good point. Let me just check out the, the old imprint page. Um, is it at the front? So I feel like Jemison's having a real resurgence. Mm. So it's not hugely old, right? No, no. So this, the last book was published. It says first published in Great Britain in two thousand and seventeen. Mm, yeah. So it, it might be a bit earlier than that, but not much, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's written quite a few trilogies, and they all look fantastic. And yeah, f- quite a few series. And she's done what what Mantel will not be able to do with winning no. a prize for every book in a no. trilogy. <laughs> How rude! <laughs> I'm sure I read somewhere that Hilary Mantel's not going to write fiction anymore, oh. or historical fiction. Historical fiction. So can't wait to see what she does next. Mm. Um, and then also books on my TBR pile that I actually haven't read at all, um, but which I bought recently and I'm very excited to read. Uh, Sprigs by Brennan. Oh, so Natalie. good. Can't say anything. Can't wait. So Can't good. wait. Um, and um, that is out from uh, Lawrence and Gibson Publishers. And then also um, The Swimmers by Chloe Lane from oh, I can't wait to read that. Can't so say anything. Went out and bought some NZ Lit the other day. And got a nice pile to dive <laughs> I into. I was right there. You were right there. <laughs> not, not intimidating you yeah. into buying anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were, you were just the right amount of persuasive. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's my TBR pal. Jenna, what's on yours? Um, okay, I Big Magic. <laughs> lost in transit in the library. Oh, but what? Lost in transit? Or just in transit? It's been in transit for over two weeks. Mm. Even the lady was confused. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the lady? Yeah. The librarian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The librarian. Sorry. Okay. The lady. <laughs> the the book terrible. Lady. <laughs> the book lady. I was, just like, I was trying not to be annoying. That's probably what people call us. Yeah. The I lady. do get called the, I know. the lady. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to read Death in Her Hands. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Loved it. So oh, yeah, I've just started it. it. I'm I keep thinking enjoying. that you've already read it. I know. I know. And um, Loved it. Yeah, I just gave Tina Eileen to read, actually. I loved oh. that, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I got a really great recommendation from Louise from Mordini's um, Tree of Strangers by Barbara Sumner, which is published oh, by MUP. She, what a buzz about that book lately. She said it was amazing. Yeah. It's this funny little book, yeah, a yeah. little publication. Um, is nice that little hardback. in front of you? No, no. sorry. Okay, it's, um, it's not. <laughs> um, but it's a, a memoir about adoption in New Zealand, but it reads a bit like a thriller because it's mm. like unbelievable what happens. So I was just like, oh, i got to get 
get that ASAP. It looks great, that book. Yeah, so yeah. I'll let you guys know. Um, and then I've also got Nowhere to Be Found by Bay Sewer, who wrote... Oh, Untold, Untold Night and Day, yes. which oh, is such an underrated cool. book of so 2020. Good. A it's so good. Yes. It's going to have a, a moment. Yes. Thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it a, we'll push it through. I want to read it. It looks cool. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I've got in the pile. But it's because before last, the second lockdown, I like we were at work together and we were yeah. just like, who knows what's going to happen? We got these emergency <laughs> piles yeah. and we just keep grabbing them. Oh, and yeah. I've kind of finished towards that now and I'm in this great um, moment where you're sort of like, oh, what's next? So yeah. is Nowhere to be Found a little novella? Or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was published, uh, it's like an older one, I think it's 1988, 1998, but translated in 2015. Wow. And... Um, I'm pretty sure Pip Adam talked about it in her yeah. piece about translation, and that's why I got it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. I saw a pile of Untold Night and Day arrive today. Did you? Mm-hmm. Ooh, fucking very lush. So good. It's mm, such a yeah. good book. Yeah, it's a beautiful package as well. Yeah. Great cover. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Can't wait. For Jenna to read Death in New Hands, and then oh, we can all yeah. talk about it. Yes, yes. yes. Did I ever talk about Maybe off pod? Yes, but we can. Or, yeah. yeah, you reviewed it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not too long ago either. Um, all right, so that's about us, really. So I just want to say a big thank you to Tina, who was very patient with all our delays and with us moving our heads away from the mic. <laughs> Sorry about that, and we will be more professional in future. Um, thank you to the spin-off for putting up with us as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you to you listening. And the spin-off members. Thank you, spin-off members. Thank you. Thank to you um, to Jane Yee. Yeah. Our dear leader. Our band manager. Band manager. <laughs> um, and thank you to you, the person listening right now. Yeah. And <laughs> We hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, then we hope that you are subscribed already. And if you're not, it's quite easy to do. Just hit that subscribe button. Um, you could even rate us yeah. on iTunes or your pod provider of choice. Um, apparently, that helps other people find us yep. through the algorithm. I don't know. That's what I hear other podcasters That's, say. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all just trying our best. We'd love to through. hear from you anyway. We would love to hear from you. Our Gmail is so empty and lonely. Um, you can email us and you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. We're at PaperCutsPod across all platforms. And thank you, Karen and Jenna. Oh, thanks, thanks Lou and Jenna. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.